the one good thing about addiction is, is that it is highly predictable. In most any case, someone can tell me what is going on with them or with their loved one, and I can say, here's what's going to happen next and probably what's going to happen next after that thing happens. And here's what I want you to do three miles down the road. Instead of fighting all these battles in the here and now, what's going on today? Who drank today? Who's mad at who today? What somebody's behavior is like, we got to get out of that because that's keeping us distracted and it's causing us to like wear out and get exhausted, waste all of our resources, money, energy, all of that. And it causes us to lose this battle. There are dire consequences attached to this battle. Whether it's you battling the addiction or your loved one battling addiction, we're talking about like your life, your family, your future. And so you got to get serious about it. And I know you're already serious about it, but maybe I should have said serious. You got to get strategic about it. So let's talk about how to get ahead of it because I want to give you a roadmap. But it is a little hard to do because I know that you're all starting at different starting points. You're all at different various points on this journey, but I'm going to give you a roadmap that you can apply whether you're fighting addiction in yourself or we're also going to look at it from a family member's perspective. Um, either which side you're on, we're going to take a look at what are the key ingredients, what are the factors that you need to focus on that are always going to get you to the next step. It's always going to get you ahead of this thing. All right. Have you guys ever heard of the book, The Art of War? Well, there's a very, very like famous saying in that from the guy who wrote it was named Sun Tzu. I'm probably saying that wrong. And the saying is, every battle is won before it is fought. And that is what we are talking about today. And one of the other things that, um, that Sun Tzu says is that in order to set the stage for victory, you have to very carefully manage your resources and your focus wisely. That is what we are going to do today. We're going to look at exactly strategically how to do that. All right. One of the other things he says in the book is you got to know your enemy's strengths. You need to know your strengths, but you need to know what your enemy is good at too. And in this case, your enemy is addiction. And I'm going to tell you what addiction's strengths are. In fact, we have about 500 videos on this channel to talk all about it. <laughs> but we're going to talk about specifically what does addiction need in order to thrive and live? There are a few ingredients that fuel any addiction. It doesn't matter what the addiction is. And if you take these fueling ingredients away from it, it doesn't live. Like, like a bacteria needs certain environmental conditions to flourish. Addiction is no different. It's like a virus. It's like a contagious virus. And it needs certain conditions in order to, to continue to grow and flourish. And when you understand what those conditions are, one of the most strategic things you can do is take away the fuel. If there's nothing to feed it, it dies out. It goes away because it can't live any longer. And to break it down as simply for you as possible... We're going to look at those three ingredients, and I've given them all names with something S so that you can remember them. Those ingredients are shame, secrecy, and self-pity. Those are the big daddies. That is why addiction lives on. And if you take those things away from it, guess what? It doesn't rule the roost anymore. 
I like to think of addiction as like a puppet master and it's in the background and it's controlling all of these things. And I know you're thinking of addiction as just more simply like, oh, the person is chasing this behavior or this chemical or whatever it is. But it, it's more than that. Addiction has to has to have these things in order to keep that dynamic going. These are the things that keep people stuck in addiction. Way more, like way, way, way more than the chemical dependency, way more than any positive thing, something's getting out of a substance, anything else. These are the things that keep people stuck in addiction. It's, it's the things that keep it going and why they don't come out of it. <clears throat> so let's dissect them one at a time. Shame fuels addiction because we don't like ourselves and when we don't like ourselves, it actually changes our brain chemistry. It makes us depressed. It makes our serotonin go down. It makes us give up on things. It makes us be hopeless. And so what happens is when we get in that shameful, I don't like me place, it changes our body and our mind in such a way that we literally don't have the resources to protect ourselves against addiction. It leads us to this place of, um, I don't care anymore, I don't even like me, or I don't deserve better, or I don't have what it takes in order to beat this. It's like this confidence killer. And when it's running the show, it controls addiction. Shame fuels addiction. If you want, if you're the person with the addiction and you want to get rid of the shame, you got to think to yourself, what's the opposite of that? Well, I think the opposite of that is becoming a person that you are proud of. If you will focus your attention on becoming a person that you're proud of, number one, that's going to keep you busy. It's going to keep you distracted from this addictive behavior over here because you've got other things that you need to do. And every single day, if you focus on, I'm going to do something, at least one thing, if not more, that I feel proud of myself about. And if you can't think of something, make up your bed. <laughs> You know, empty the dishwasher. It can be simple. Small things and big things. Help someone out. Um, you know, donate some of your time or energy or something like that. Do something that makes you like you. That actually refuels you for tomorrow's battle when you can do that. So, obviously, to beat an addiction, if you have addiction, you gotta you got to abstain from the behavior. Okay, that's obvious, right? But if you want to stay away from that behavior, I want you to focus every single day on becoming a person that you're proud of. Maybe you like you better if you get up every day and exercise. Maybe you like you better if you meet a work goal. Maybe you like you better if you do something nice for someone else. It's a little different for each person. So I can't tell you, you know, do this thing and you'll be proud of you because our value systems are different. So if you're unsure what's going to make you proud of you, then I want you to step back and do like a values inventory. We actually have one of these on our site if you're not even sure where to get one as far as like how do you figure out what are my top values as a person. And if you act in congruence with those values, if your behavior lines up with what's important to you, you'll feel proud of yourself. If it's protecting the environment, it's protecting the environment. If it's protecting your family, if it's being successful, if it's um, having good health, whatever that value is, if you focus your attention on it, you're going to deplete shame little by little by little. The other piece to get rid of those like last little like holdouts of shame is there are things in your past that you're that you've done 
that you don't feel good about that are that are sort of like if you feel like it's those bad things in your past are kind of like undoing your good things now then I want you to figure out how to make them right <laughs> fix it whether that's making amends to a person do something in your own mind that makes it right if you stole some money give some money do something to to take that past thing that you did and make it better if you hurt someone in a way in the past and maybe you want to spend your time teaching people how to protect themselves against that kind of hurt i don't know what it is but right the wrong and every single day focus on what's going to make me like me today when i lay my head on the pillow at night i want to feel good about what happened it doesn't mean you have to be perfect it doesn't mean you have to be completely selfless but you have to have done something each day that you feel good about. So if you are, let's move on to the next step. So if you're looking at how to get rid of secrecy, this is pretty easy. Secrecy is like the weather condition that addiction needs to live. And if you think about it, it's kind of simple, right? If you're going to have a lot easier time winning the fight if the lights are on in the room. If you can't see where the enemy is and what's going to punch you next, you're not going to win that fight. Turn the lights on. The reason why secrecy is so important with addiction is because secrecy is what allows the shameful behaviors to continue. If you turn the light on things, the shameful behaviors start to go away by themselves. And the way you fight against secrecy is you do the opposite of that. And the opposite of that is what I call bring everything above board. Now, if you're the person fighting the addiction, that doesn't mean you have to tell every person you come across everything you've done and have done. But it does mean that you need to clean the skeletons out of the closet. So you need to do that with counselor, with your family member, with your sponsor, with your recovery mates, with your people in your treatment group, whatever. You need to turn the light on it because when you keep something secret in your head, like, let me give an example. Like if I'm secretly thinking in my head, my wife's going out of town next week and I know she's not going to be back till Sunday and I have this secret plan that I'm going to go to the liquor store. And in fact, I already got it. It's just in my trunk, but she doesn't know it. And I'm just waiting till Friday until I can drink. That's the secret. We need to turn the lights on. If we secretly know that we have this work party coming up and we know that there's going to be some things there that that we don't need to be exposed to or getting into, but we're hiding behind the fact, well, it's a work event. I have to go. I can't get out of it. But we secretly know there's another intention there. That's a secret. So secrets aren't just about what you're doing, but secrecy on a deeper level is being honest with yourself and with other people about why you're doing what you're doing. Because we can all use that like loophole of saying, um, well, I have to do this or I didn't do this, but but most of the time we're not honest about our intentions about why something happened or didn't happen. So it's it's above board with yourself and above board with the people around you. When you turn the light on things and there's not secrets there, there's no ghosts that haunt you. It doesn't leave very much room to engage in shameful behavior. If 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 people know you know, if you've put out there um, what you're supposed to be doing on any given day, what your responsibilities are, and everything's up here, it makes it really easy. It will simplify your life times 10. Let's move on to self-pity because I think this one is really big. 
sometimes people have a hard time acknowledging self-pity because it sounds like a bad quality. But to be honest, we all have some self-pity going on. If you're listening right now and you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't feel sorry for myself, then ask yourself this question because this one might be easier. Be like, oh, yeah, I do do that. Are you holding any resentments? Do you have resentments out there about work, school, family, your brother who always got more than you, whatever it is? Do you, are you holding some resentments? A teacher is maybe whatever. Because if you can trace down those resentments, at the end of that resentment road is self-pity. Because we're resentful when we feel like we're being mistreated, something in right, something unfair. So if, if you can't grab on to the idea that you feel sorry for yourself, trace down the resentment lead. Um, in the 12 steps, they have a whole step process for that. But you don't have to work with 12 steps to do it. I'm telling you right now, trace down the resentment lead. You're going to find where the self-pity is. Let me give you a real-life example for myself. So, um, and this usually happens to me most, mostly at the end of the day. When I make bad choices at the end of the day, it's usually about, like, eating crappy food, right? And so what happens to me, it's at the end of the day, and I'm tired, I'm worn out, and I'm just like, I just don't even want to cook dinner tonight. I just want to stop and get something to eat on my way home. And I can tell you right now the exact tape that plays in my head. This may I'm telling the secrets, ready? The tape that plays in my head says, look, you work all day, you see clients, you make YouTube videos, you run a business, you answer emails, you answer comments, like you got things you have to do and you're going to have to prioritize and tonight it's just not the cooking, right? That's the story I tell myself. When I make a bad decision about um, things at the end of the day because I'm tired and I'm worn out. And if you think about it, if I wouldn't let that little self-pity thing get in there, I'd probably make a better decision. Because it's the self-pity that comes um, with letting ourselves off the hook. It's like a little cycle. A lot of times it's, sometimes it's resentment. And that leads to the self-pity. And self-pity almost always leads to justifying a bad decision. I gave you an example about myself, about, you know, making bad food choices. We all have this in our our life some way. Maybe it's about um, spending money. Maybe it's about drinking, like, well, it's just not fair that I'm alcoholic and other people aren't alcoholic and they can enjoy something and I can't. Self-pity right there. It's not fair that my wife, she won't give me a chance. It's not fair. It's not fair. Or I can't because, or woe is me because right after that thought is going to be a bad decision. So in my mind, the self-pity is literally like the last stop before that addiction gets a hold of you. So if you can... Turn the lights on something. If you can do something that you're proud of today, and if you can try to eradicate self-pity, you are not going to give addiction what it needs to live anymore. Just imagine. You ever seen somebody that was like really addicted to drugs or alcohol that liked their self, that told that was everything was above board, their life had a lot of integrity, and they were completely honest with themselves, and they, and they um, didn't feel sorry for themselves, and they practiced self-responsibility. See, the things like are not, they, they can't go together. They're incompatible. Addiction cannot live in those conditions. It needs to create certain conditions in order to live. And so if you will do this, it's like literally like inoculating yourself um, from this addiction creeping back in on you. The way to get rid of self-pity is through self-responsibility. And the good thing is, is these three things are kind of a feedback loop. 
if you're good at one thing, the next thing comes easier and easier. Because if you're, if you practice a lot of self-responsibility, then you tend to be proud of yourself. And when you're proud of yourself, it's easy to turn the light on because you don't have nothing to hide. So even if you just take one of these things and focus on it, chances are the other two things are going to start improving just, just because one naturally leads to the other. Now, I do want to take a look at it from the family perspective. From the family perspective, it's still these three things. But you've sort of got to do this double time. You've got to help remove these things from yourself. And if possible, when possible, you can do some things to help remove those things from your addicted loved one. But I want to start with how do you remove them from yourself? Because when you remove them from yourself, you stop instigating them over there. So if you can go to self, you know what they say, like you have to work on yourself, you have to get yourself better. That's more than just like counselory talk or Al-Anon stuff. You know, it's, there's some truth in it. The same three things is what is fueling your addictive codependent behavior. They're addicted to whatever they're addicted to, and you're addicted to their situation. And it's a parallel process. And so if you, if you want to give them a chance to unhook, you've got to unhook first. Because one of the things that happens is, Addiction, because it's like a parasite, it'll like take everything they have pretty quickly in some cases. And so they're sort of like bled dry, but they're, but you plug into them. And so now the addiction is taking everything from them, but because you're plugged in, it starts to suck everything from you. So first thing you need to do is unplug a little bit from them, like get back some distance. Stop fighting every single war today because they're drinking today. Okay, they're drinking today. Let's think about what's going to happen tomorrow and what's going to happen next week and next month. We're ready for it. Okay. So first thing we're going to do is we're going to back up and look at us because addiction is not only going to make this other person keep secrets and do things that they're ashamed of and feel sorry for themselves. It's going to make you do those three things. And if you're watching this as a family member, I know you know I'm telling the truth. I know because, you know, I say on the here all the time, which is probably not the most professional, but I always say as a family member, it's going to make you crazy because it's going to make you crazy. And when you get crazy, you're going to be keeping secrets. You're going to be feeling terrible about what you did and what you said because you got so mad and you couldn't take it anymore. And you just threw this fit and you just like do all these ultimatums out there. Everyone told you not to do that and all that stuff. And then you start to feel bad about yourself. And then when you start to feel bad about yourself, the way you make yourself feel better about feeling bad about yourself is you say, well, I can't help it because it's not my fault because they made me do that. They're trying to gaslight me and I couldn't take it or whatever it is, self-pity. So you can see how even like as a family member, that three-pronged cycle is happening with you. If you will do the exact same things that I just told the person with the addiction to do, if you will do those same things, you will start to get better. And when you start to get better, usually by the time someone gets pretty addicted, the addicted person isn't a fuel source very much anymore because I've already said they're bled dry. They're really getting their fuel source. The addiction is getting the fuel source through the family. You can cut off the fuel source. And I mean that in a much deeper, more comprehensive way than a lot of addiction counselors when they say stop giving them money. Okay, that's one of the fuel sources. 
but there are some more powerful fuel sources. <laughs> I'm not saying don't deal with the money thing. I'm just saying like that's that's like a piece of the story. The other big piece of the story is what we talk about on this channel all the time. You're providing them with distraction. You're doing things that, you know, you're acting out in ways that make them feel sorry for themselves. They're holding you hostage. And then, you know, this is cycle between the addiction, the person, and you. And anywhere in that cycle, it can be broken. And when everything comes together and everybody works all at the same time, then even better, we're going to win this war like super fast when that happens. So to fight your shame, I want you to become a person you are proud of. And in order to do that, step number one is you got to stop revolving your life around that person. Because you know when you revolve your life and your thinking 24-7 about what they're doing and what they're lying about and what they're sneaking about and how they're not going to get by with anything on you and how you need to protect yourself and all these other things, you don't feel good. You don't have a life anymore. It is literally controlling you just as much as it is controlling them. So if you're mad at them and you're saying, you know, you're letting this addiction control you. You're letting this addiction take everything from the family. I'm telling you the same thing. It controls you vicariously like a puppet master. So step back. Do whatever you need to do to like you again. You know, start writing. You know, take your yoga. You know, build your motorcycle you always wanted to build. Take your class. Whatever you need to do to feel good about it. You go do your exercise. Whatever it is that you really know that you've been needing to do or wanting to do for a long time, but you just haven't, you haven't had energy, you haven't had the money, you haven't had the time, just stop and just say, hey, I'm going to pour into myself and I'm going to unplug from this addiction. And by unplug, I don't mean that you have to like kick this person out or never speak to them again. What I mean when I say unplug is stop revolving your life around it because it's what you need to do to help them. But it will help you tremendously to do that. When Alanine says, you know, detach, back up, detach with love, that's what it means. But it's more than just back up from them. If you want to take that up a notch, you, you start taking care of you, whatever that is for you. All right, so you're going to feel proud of yourself. Here's the big daddy. You're going to quit feeling sorry for yourself. Now, I know there's a lot to feel sorry for yourself about. But what do I say on here? I'm not telling you what's fair. I'm telling you what works. There, there are probably a lot of truth in the things you feel sorry for yourself. Hey, guess what? Everything I said I feel sorry for myself about 100% true. 100% true. I make videos. I run a business. I see clients. I answer emails. I take care of my family. I do all the things. I don't have much time. But feeling sorry for myself about it doesn't help anything. It doesn't make the things less true. You know, if my husband's an alcoholic and he's just being a jerk and he's not helping, I'm not minimizing that in any way. I'm saying, yes, that is all true. I'm going to validate your feeling about it, but I'm also going to say stop feeling sorry for yourself about it because when you let that little piece come in, that self-pity piece, that's when you're going to let yourself make a mistake. And those of you that have been watching the videos for a long time, you kind of already know what the pathway is and how you want to interact with yourself and with the other person. But And we all know we get to that point where we can't take it anymore. We lose it and we make a mistake. That's the same thing that happens to anyone that has an addiction. And when that happens, I don't want you to feel sorry for yourself about that either. I want you to bring it right above board. And I want you to say, I messed up. I got really mad yesterday and I really wish I wouldn't have said all that. And I apologize. I'm going to do better. 
because you're gonna mess up. You're gonna eat junk food like me. I'm like, I'm gonna have days I'm gonna eat junk food. And then I'm gonna not feel sorry for myself about it. And then I'm gonna get right back up and I'm gonna fix it. So when you do fall in the trap, it's damage control. It's get right back on track. And if you wanna make it as simple as possible, focus on these three things, shame, secrecy, and self-pity. 